The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Raising the Bar with your host, Amy Bredo. Do you ever listen to that inner voice? The one that tells you that you can achieve great things just by giving yourself a little push? Making that voice heard is what this show is all about. What if you could turn your negatives into positives? You'll hear from others who have embraced that personal drive and will help you raise the bar. Now, here is Amy Bredo. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. I am again living in the land of allergies, so please forgive my awesome nasally voice. Pretty excited about today's show, and I have to be completely honest. I had a guest scheduled today, and something fell through, and I thought to myself, what the heck am I going to do? I can't really talk to myself for an hour, or if I do pretty sure it's going to be nonsense. But you know what? All things fall together uh, when we hope that they will. And so I'm super excited to bring you today's guest. She is quite a new friend of mine. Her name is Rachel Jasky, and she's got a great story to share. If you've been listening in recent weeks, we've done some episodes on um, Safe Families for Children, Foster Care, Orphan Sunday. So we're going to kind of keep with that theme this week. Um, Also, for those of you listening, my awesome St. Bernard is snoring in the background, so disregard. Rachel, I wanted to welcome you and thank you so much for sacrificing your time this morning uh, to be with us, to share your story. I know you've got a couple kids at home that are being great and watching a movie, so if they decide to join us, that'll be excellent too. But, you know, because we just threw this together, I didn't prepare a great introduction for you, and I really would love to just share with our listeners that I knew just from even our first conversation or seeing you on Facebook that you have an amazing heart to serve not only your own children um, and others, but also other children at risk, vulnerable kids and their families. So I just wanted to again welcome you and just dive right in and just tell us a little bit about you. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's awesome that I'm doing this with you. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, my so a little background. Maybe my husband and I have been married for nine years, and we have two of our um, own, you know, two daughters, you know, that we've had uh, biologically. They're seven and four. And about I don't know, two years ago is I, when we started hearing about safe families through our church. Um, my husband, you know, never really thought about doing the foster care or safe families or anything like that, but it's something that I'd always kind of, in the back of my mind, thought about. I grew up on a street with a family that was a foster family, and um, I always kind of thought about it, but I never really thought it was a real possibility until I heard about safe families, um, and I just kind of felt like maybe it was the answer to what I had been thinking about doing for quite some time. Um, and so we just, you know, one day said, okay, let's do the training and see what we think of the whole program. And um, then, you know, it just went from there. So it's interesting when you guys did the training, 
or before you even signed up to do the training, was your husband apprehensive? Was he kind of like, oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love, love, love my husband, but he, you know, that's not, that wasn't his dream. And and that wasn't something that he ever thought about. It was my thing. So, um, you know, it's, I started it by just saying, like, let's just do the training. Let's right. just let's just hear about this program. We'll see what it's about. If it's not for us, we won't do it. But um, you know, or give me another baby. No, <laughs> I didn't use it yep. against him. But you know, <laughs> it's like because right. uh, our life's too boring. We need to you know mix it up with some chaos. So absolutely. Um, so you know, he agreed to do the training, and I think. When we were sitting in the training, I remember um, Joyce Moffat, who you spoke to a couple weeks ago, right. was the one who did the training. And she was just so informative and, and so, like, honest about everything. And it was weird because my husband went from, you know, I don't know if this is right for us. Let's just, you know, take a step back to asking questions at the training and, like, raising his hand and being like, well, when do we start? How do we get started? And awesome. I was just taken aback, like, well, I'm sorry, what's happening right now? Like, you, you, <laughs> you're engaged, and you're interested, and you want to do it. So, I think for me, that was kind of like a turning point where we were like, okay, maybe we really can do this. And, and think, um, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. And, you know, and I think he liked the idea, too, that Safe Families is not adoption. It's not a permanent, you're not taking on a child for the rest of your life. It's more temporary, up to a year, or a little bit more, maybe, but, you know, it's not like you're you're all of a sudden becoming the parent of um, a permanent child. You're helping a family um, in need. So right. I think you know, that was I, one of the things for him. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you no. off. Um, you know, and I think that a lot of people do get concerned about that. You know, in one respect, I kind of do feel that even though their stay is temporary, you mm-hmm. do take over that parent role or, you know, yeah. you could take on that aunt and uncle role or however it's best for the child to acclimate. But you may be the only example of what a quote unquote normal or stable, if that actually exists in this world, um, right. parent looks like to, to these kids. Yeah. You know, I, I've known yeah. families that have taken in kids for safe families and it's just been about a week or two. And then, you know, we know in, in different situations, even like yours, that it can be an extended stay or the child can return, you know, right. So it's awesome to hear that your husband was super enthusiastic about it and asking questions. And so funny, I try to always, I'm one of those people that always remembers dates and people's birthdays and stuff like that. And for the life of me, I try to remember the conversations I even had with my husband when we talked about Mm -hmm. foster care and adopting. And I can only like piece them together, probably because when we decided we just went for it and adopted and it was a whirlwind, you know? Um, Right. But I think it's awesome how God like just kind of opened his heart or, or he did, or he was will he was willing. And I really want to encourage people, especially that are in the um, Northwest suburbs of Chicago land. There is a safe families training on October 15th uh, here in Crystal Lake, which is in the area. So if you want more information on that, please continue to reach out. I've been getting some great feedback on the program or questions about the program, but you can reach me at amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. So I just want to put that out there right away because I want to encourage people to uh, register for this training. You know, and speaking of that, what is the right place for them to go to to register? Would it be um, the Safe Families website? Yeah. So you could go on the Safe Families website um, to, and there is a link there to register, or you can also go to um, Willow Creek, Crystal Lake, 
Um, it's Willow's website, and they also have a link on their website to register for the Safe Families Training, which is going to be at the Crystal Lake Willow Creek, um, and I will be there, too, um, to speak from a host family's point of view. But the website is safefamilies.net, um, or you can go to Willow's website, too. That's awesome. I'm I'm going to be at that training as well. So I'm super excited for it. And I'm sure I'm going to come home and be like, okay, we're going to have 10 more kids come in our house. Because <laughs> that's it's, just me. You know There's what? always I mean, so much. Seriously. <laughs> so after the, the training, it, yeah. it's true. You know, my mom keeps, my mom lovingly says to me recently, because we uh, did take in a young girl for about two weeks. And it was an interesting road. And you and I have talked about that. But my mom was like, you have to stop trying to save the world. And I'm like, I can't. It's how I may. So it's not <laughs> easy. It's not pain free uh, by any means. But it always stretches and grows me, even if I walk away sometimes feeling traumatized is not the word, <laughs> but, um, you know, when somebody is with yeah. you and then they leave, there's a sense of loss in that, but it's okay. Like I, I okay. served the way I was supposed to serve. So speaking of serving, when you decided, yes, you know, we're gung ho, we're a safe family, you know, are, are you automatically approved after this training or, or how long does it take? Okay. No. So what happens is, is um, during the training, you come earlier, about 15 minutes earlier, and do fingerprinting and background check information. So you fill out all the paperwork. So they do do a background check on you um, just to make sure that, you know, you're going to be a safe home. And then in that training, you'll learn much more about all of everything they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then after the training, you... We'll have a home, it's either before or after, it depends, but you'll have a home inspection. So Joyce, you know, who you talked to a couple of weeks ago, or another person with safety families would come to your house. They just check everything. They make sure that, you know, safety-wise, there's no issues. Like, one of the things we had was I had a toy chest sitting by a window. And so they're like, okay, no, you have to move that. Because if you have okay. a two-year-old toddler, you know, they could, stuff that, you know, you know, but... Um, right. It's just help, it helps to have a separate set of eyes looking at your house and just kind of directing that stuff. So, um, and at that point, you know, there is a couple more meet, you know, a couple more discussions you have to have just to make sure that it's the right fit. So it does, the whole process, you know, can go anywhere from two to six weeks. I've heard the most six weeks, sometimes there's somebody waiting on something with the background check. You know, you have to remember to right. that family is volunteers. So, um, Sometimes it doesn't go quite as quickly as everybody wants it to. Right. I understand. I think Joyce was telling me there's 24 children right now in the area that are waiting and there's not enough homes to take these kids in. So like I said, anybody listening locally, I really want to encourage you to attend this training. Um, Breakfast is served. If you do stay for the training the whole day, is breakfast is served, correct? I'm not lying. Breakfast and then lunch as well. Oh, so two meals, guys. I mean, come on. And, you know, you're you're not only learning about um, being a potential host family, but there's also an opportunity to learn to be um, like a family friend, correct, or a mentor to maybe one of the placement mothers or the placement parents. So I, to me, that's super exciting, too. Um, so after you and your husband were approved, about how long yeah. was it before you got a call to take in a child? Um. We got approved, and then I'll be honest with you, right away, you know, there was some, they'll send out emails saying the needs that are in our area as of the moment, so, you know, you get those, 
Um, and I, I was a little hesitant on it. And then I got a call on, I don't know if you remember this, but the day that that little boy, the Syrian refugee little boy was found washed up on the shore and they had uh. broken that news. Um, I was watching that news and my phone rang and it was safe oh, families wow. and they said, we have a little boy and you know, we need home for him. And I just immediately knew that that was what was meant to be. And I and just said, yes. And I didn't even ask my husband. I was just one of those <laughs> things where I was just like, and I, of course I called him right away and said, Hey, right. is this okay? And he said, of course, but um, I just felt like that was the right time to do that. So, yeah. So we took him on labor day of last year. That was our first placement. So we've only been with state families doing the host family thing for a year. Oh, that's amazing. Now, um, I think we have some time left. We have a f- about five minutes or so. So tell us about this this first meeting. What occurs? What, do they bring the him first, to your house? Do you have to go pick him up? Well, what happened was, is, um, you know, the girls downtown Chicago that um, are the ones that work with to place the children, they set up a three-way phone call with me and them and then this little boy's mom. Okay. And, oh, no, I'm sorry. It was, he was with his grandma at the time, so it was with the grandma. Okay. So we had a conversation on the phone where we decided where we were going to meet, the time and the day, and, um, you know, anything else that she wanted, she felt like I needed to know. She told me on that phone conversation. So it was very um, non-confrontational, very easygoing. And then, you know, we decided from there where we were going to meet to, um, you know, pick up him and get his belongings and stuff like that. Okay. So then how long was he with you? He was with us for three months. He was with us from Labor Day up until right before Thanksgiving of last okay. year. Yep. And um, it was supposed to be a five-week placement. And then due to homelessness, it ended up going a little bit longer um, than expected because his you know, there's always bumps in the road turning right. to the house. So, right. Yeah. So, if you don't mind, and it's up to you, let's talk a little bit about that first meeting in the first few days. Because I want to be really honest with people. You know, I, I did. You know, I adopted a, a little boy who was almost 11 years old from Ethiopia who hardly spoke any English. We stayed mm-hmm. in Ethiopia for 11 days and then came home, and then that's when stuff really gets real. And yeah. When I say it gets real, it doesn't mean that it's bad, but it's just, I can just remember like hour by hour, just kind of praying and reminding myself to breathe and and hoping that my other kids were okay. So now you have two biological daughters that are used to just having their flow of family and their day-to-day routines. You know, did they understand what was happening? Well, we did prep them. You know, we did a lot of talking, a lot of discussing. You know, we when we found out the situation, we, you know, said to them, because mommy and daddy don't have a home. We have a home. We're safe. We have beds. We need to help this little boy because, you know, until his mom and dad find a home, he needs somewhere to sleep. So we did a lot of prepping. Um, what I didn't prepare myself for as much was his, you know, transition. I prepared right. my children. 100% because that's what we do as parents, mm-hmm. but I didn't prepare myself for the pain that he was going through. Right, right. I mean, a four-year-old little boy away from his parents in a stranger's home, it was hard for, it was hard. The, the nights were the hardest. You know, he cried himself to sleep for the first week, um, <sighs> and it was hard to see that, and it was hard for my kids to see that. Would he let you, we do just have about four minutes here, would he let you comfort him? It had to have yes. been... 
really terrifying. Oh, that's good. Terrifying. That's good. Yeah. So you were, I felt you so, were able. Yep. Um, so the safe families kind of says like, you know, you don't want to bring baby, you know, kids into your bed and stuff like that. Like right. you don't want to, you know, that's kind of intimate and stuff. But you know, with a four year old little boy who was scared, I just, I, I needed, he needed comforting. And so I just laid in his, you know, we had a little bed for him and I just laid in the bed with him and I just kind of rubbed his back until he fell asleep. And at first he was very standoffish and didn't want, you know, he, he, he accepted the, the, the comforting, but he didn't you know, want to give anything back, of course. Right. But then as time went on, it softened him a little bit. And, you know, now he's one of, you know, he by the end, he was one of ours. He was one of our kids. Right. So. And, you know, and just in the last about two and a half minutes before we go to our first break, and we're going to come back to this because I have a couple more questions for you and I want to, and I want to hear more, um, sure. you know, it's really amazing how resilient kids are, but they're also, when this type of thing happens, they're wounded. And so, right, as parents or people that are here to serve them, it is sometimes hard. It was hard for me, anyway, to not understand that reciprocity takes a long time, especially mm-hmm. with a child that is unable to really trust any situation, even if it appears to be safe, because everything that kid has absorbed from birth on, you know, you know, negative things are believed and positive things are believed because that subconscious mind doesn't know any different, you know. Okay. So God bless you guys for taking him in. I know that that is um, not an easy transition for anybody, and especially as a mama who's so used to being able to comfort, you know, you're able to comfort your kids. You're able to always um, make things better, put put a right. Band-Aid on it, or, I mean, in, like literally put a Band-Aid on it and, it kind of gets let go because you're there to save the day. But so for this poor little man that um, doesn't understand that security, you know, that's something that's really you need to focus on as, as parents of or being a safe family. Um, you know, we're going to go to a break. I would encourage anybody that has any questions, you know, feel free to reach out through the Voice America um, website or my host page because you can ask questions. There's even a number listed there where you can call in and ask us questions live too. So that's kind of exciting. Never done that before. So who knows how that will go. <laughs> but I do want to <laughs> encourage encourage people to check this out because it is such an awesome program we are going to go to a quick break but you are listening to raising the bar with amy bredo and my beautiful guest rachel jasky and we are hearing her experience as a host family for safe families for children so we're looking forward to you getting involved and we will be right back your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. 
Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. You are listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Again, happy Thursday. Thanks for listening. If you're just joining us, we are talking to Rachel Jasky, and she is actually a host family for Safe Families for Children. So we're just kind of continuing and giving you a little more background on what it really means to to be a host family. I was excited to do this show today at fell into perfect place as registration is still open for the Safe Families training coming up on October 15th here in um, the Crystal Lake area. And you can go to safefamilies.net. Is that correct, Rachel? Yep, that's correct. To register for the free training. And if I can lure you with breakfast and lunch, everybody should go. So when we were uh, talking before the break, we were talking about attachment and and helping um, the transition of the child that's coming into our home. So if it's not stressful enough to balance the kids that are already living in your home, especially when they're small, you know, you bring in little Jonathan who's four years old and getting him to feel comfortable and to be able to comfort him. You know, you spoke about being able to lay with him in his bed. And even though he didn't necessarily um, show affection and return right away, it was good that you were reinforcing that safety to him. I know during the break, you know, just speaking about these kids that come from troubled backgrounds, I can remember even my son Ish coming home and he wasn't comfortable with me laying by him. Like I sat by him and I kind of asked and we had a language barrier initially. So that was kind of tough, but I can remember I would sleep on his floor and he, and he would look at me and he would say, why are you on the floor? You know, in the best way he could. And I just, I wanted him to know that I was there. And I want to say probably for the first, gosh, now he's older, so he closes his door <laughs> when he sleeps. But <laughs> I bet you for the at least the first year or two, he slept completely covered, like his head and everything under the blankets Aww. to kind of just shut everything out. Yeah, and it, and it makes me sad when I think about it now. And I think about um, having to work with the school psychologists or asking questions. He came home you know, five days before school started. So imagine that. And, uh, you know, just transitioning with all the language. And I can remember the school psychologist asking me how he was attaching. And she actually really criticized me for um, sleeping on his floor or having him sit on my lap. You know what? He was 10 years old and he hadn't had a mom and dad for seven years. So wow. I'll be darned if you're going to tell me not to <laughs> comfort my so child. So easy to criticize when not in that situation, isn't it? Yeah, you know what? Someone's going to criticize you. So I say, hey, love the kiddos. So yeah. so Jonathan was with you for, did you say three months? Yeah, and that, Amy, let me just correct real quick here. I was wrong oh, on that website. It's actually safefamilies.org. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. So oh, I good. I'm to clarify I'm, that. Thank but yeah, you, Jonathan thank you. was with us for three months, and um, and yeah, you know, it's funny because I guess like you just comfort whatever way you 
feel is needed. And right. it's so easy to criticize and say, don't do this, don't do that. But um, in the in the middle of the night, like in that situation with your son, at least, you do what you feel you need to do, you know? So right. I don't know. I just think that um, any comfort that you feel in the moment is right is right. How did your kids attach? How did your kids do? Uh, it's funny. I have a four-year-old, and he was four when he came to us, so they're about four months apart. And... Um, it was instant uh, siblings. I mean, not, you know, <laughs> not she knows he's not her brother, but um, they, they fight like siblings. <laughs> you know, they love each other like siblings. And it, at first, they were very, very sensitive to him because we had prepped them. And they were, you know, so kind and so sweet. And I just was so amazed by their hearts at that time because they really... You know, they, they, they just... They treated him as like kids' gloves. And they, you know, they really made him feel... Um, safe. And then, you know, the honeymoon period was over. They say that when, you know, kids first come to you, there's those couple weeks where they're just trying to be good and trying to please and they don't know what's going on and they're, you know, on their best behavior. And then after that uh, ended, then it was instant, like, he touched my things. He, you know, she took this and they, (laughs) they fight in love like siblings. That's funny. Do you have to have separate bedrooms for the safe family kids? I was just thinking about that. And that's something that probably a lot of listeners are wondering. You don't have to have separate bedrooms, but if you have um, different genders. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, So what we did was we had a, you know, a three bedroom house. We all had our own bedrooms at that time. And so I just, you know, I made my girls sleep together and I gave Jonathan um, one of the girls rooms. Uh, and, and that's just until you are comfortable and they're comfortable and everybody, um, you know, has assessed the situation. And honestly, we had sleepovers all the time where, you know, this person is in that room or that person is in that room on a sleeping bag, on a sleeping bag on the floor. Um, but yeah, no, you don't need separate bedrooms, but they definitely need their own beds. And if there's different genders, they need to have their own space. That makes total sense. And, you know, here's another question that popped up into my mind as I'm going to be doing this training in a few weeks. I have three children that are over 18. So right. so for me, I'm one, one of them is away at school. She's in Kentucky. So it would probably be, I would have to get my both my boys' background checks, correct? You do. You okay. Do. You it's, have to get I, anybody in the house over 18 a background check um, just as a um, safe families, you know, absolutely. protocol. Yeah, makes total sense. I better I tell them that they're going. I don't think they have going. to go through the training, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, of course, it would be great, but um, you know, I don't. I think that the background check is the primary thing. Right now, in the time that Jonathan was with you, I want our listeners to know he's actually back with you, which is mm-hmm. um, an interesting story that I think is going to have a really great outcome. So we'll share that, but. During the time that he was with you the first time, do you get to know the placing parent? I mean, do you form a relationship with the placing parent, or is that something that kind of the family friends do so that you're just there to totally focus on the child? No, actually, one of the big, you know, things with safe families is that you are there for the family, not just for the child. So, you know, it starts off where you just, you have their phone number so you can call them so that the child can talk to their parents. And then the more comfortable you get with each other, the more you could discuss, um, you know, meeting up for, to see, you know, for the child to see his parents. And, um, 
And you do. You work with the parents, too. I mean, they are doing their own thing. You know, Safe Families has um, resources, and they have case coaches that help the parents. And so you're not um, guiding the parents in any way, but... You know, you do form a relationship with them because you're, you're watching their children and um, you talk to them. You know, Jonathan's parents called every night when he was with us um, last year. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I would talk to them and say, how are you doing? How are things going? You know, and they would kind of update me too before they talked to Jonathan. And we did meet up with them a couple times um, to have visitation. So you have control over the visitation? You, you, you as the host family have control over the visitation how comfortable you are, if you want to just drop the child off for a little bit or if you want to stay or, you know, it's really up to you. And Safe Families doesn't give this placing parents any of your info. So they don't know your address or okay, your wondered about that. Or, yeah. Any information that you want to give is totally voluntary and that's your decision to make. So they don't know where you are. Necessarily. No. So if you want to have visit- visitations, you can go meet at, you know, a Playland or something like that. Right. Yeah, okay. we met at the McDonald's Play Place a bunch of times. And, uh, well, two times. But um, to, uh, you know, to, to play. And I and I said to them when I walked in, I said, what do you want to do? Do you want me to leave for a couple hours or do you want me to stay? And they wanted me to stay. And I think that's the case with a lot of these placing parents because they want to see you who their kid is with. And so they, right. you know, they, they want to kind of assess you as well and make sure that, you know, um, they're comfortable with you. So. Yeah, yeah. Because, because you're super familiar with safe families, obviously you're working with them outside of being, you do work with them outside of being a host family. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah. Um, well, our I guess, situation, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I, I, I realized I didn't ask my question correctly. I wasn't yeah. sure how, how many other host families you have connections with, because I know as host families, it's good to kind of all bond together and support each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess my question was, you know, if, has there ever been a situation that you were aware of, either in your experience or someone you know, where maybe a visitation with the placing parent wasn't a good idea and, and how that would be handled? Oh, um, I am not aware of a situation where the visitation, you know, didn't go well or was right. scary or bad. So the safe families, um, these children are not like taken away by DCFS. There's, you know, if there was abuse involved or anything like that, safe families would be notified right away. Um, DCFS okay. would be notified right away. So safe families is more to prevent any abuse from happening before the parents get in these dire situations. Okay. So it's totally the parents are placing the children with safe families voluntarily. Um, so I think that eliminates a lot of, you know, maybe if there were custody issues or abuse issues, I think that takes out a lot of that from the equation. Thank God for this program. Thank God for or organization, I should call it. It's just really, um, it does, it alleviates so, alleviates so much stress from, you know, pushing parents to that breaking point of, of just losing it, right. you know, losing self-control and taking it out on the kids. So when, when it was time for Jonathan to go back with his family at Thanksgiving time and stuff, let's talk about you, Mama. I mean, what, mm-hmm. how was how that for you and your husband and for your girls? Well, um, it was sad. You know, we were, we were sad 
that he was going to be leaving our family, but we were more happy that his parents had found a house and um, that he was going to be with them because that's what he wanted. That's what these kids want. They want their parents and their family and their siblings. So, you know, for us, his excitement outweighed, you know, the the feeling that we had of missing him. Um, But we, you know, I ended up staying in contact with his parents and we would pick him. I picked him up a couple times, you know, just to play with our girls for a little while or, um, you know, sent him some pizzas one night just to kind of say, hey, hope you guys are doing good. So, you know, we stayed in contact with them, which made it easier of a transition. That doesn't always happen. Um, A lot of times placing parents, they don't want to remember that time in their life when they couldn't take care of their children. So, you know, they don't want to keep a relationship going. But um, with us and his situation, you know, his parents did. You know, and that's such a good thing. So let's let's kind of fast forward two months. Now, have you guys had any other children placed with you? Yeah. So then after he went home over Thanksgiving, we said, we're taking a break for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. We're just going to focus on our family for the holidays. And that lasted about a month and a half. <laughs> I was going to say, did, um, you, did you make it? <laughs> on New Year's Eve, I got a call from uh, Safe Families. They had two girls who uh, were homeless, and they were living in a town right next to ours. Okay. And they needed, and it was negative 20 degrees, and they right. needed a place to say, stay. And so, you know, I, I said, of course. I mean, it was New Year's Eve. And so we, the next day, New Year's Day, we went and we met um their mom at a Starbucks and, and picked the girls up. They were waiting at Starbucks for us. They had nowhere to go. Oh, my gosh. So they were able they to have there. shelter for that night, though, right? They Yes. So they had they had the pad shelter that night. Okay. You know, of okay. course, they closed during the day. So um, I think they had left that pad shelter at 6 in the morning, and they were waiting at Starbucks until I picked them up around 1. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So God bless you guys. And that's so hard. And, and um you know, when you have the kids come in first, you know, when you're the host home, you're totally taking these kids in just out of the kindness of your heart. You're feeding them, you're clothing them outside of whatever they um, come with, you know, in their suitcase. Mm-hmm. When they're school age, do you, do you, you know, if someone is to call you and say, okay, we, we have a little girl, we're going to, we need to place her for five weeks and she's eight years old. Do you put them in school? Yes, you do. So there's okay. options. Um, okay. If they're, they, you know, of course they try and keep you local with, you know, where um, the placing parents are. It doesn't always happen. But right. um, with the case of the two girls we had, the one who was in the next town over, we just continued to her in her school. Oh, and good. by okay. law, there's a law, um, and you, they, the school has to bus them. Okay. So um, it's called McKinney Vito. And... It's a law that the school, if a child is homeless, has to bus them to and from school. So we were able to um, get transportation for them to pick her up at our door and bring her to school and back. Even though we're not in the same town? Even though we're not in the same town. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Because I was wondering if you would just bring her, you know, bring her to school. Um, Oh, that's an awesome, that's an awesome law. Our town brought her home. Yeah, it was great. Awesome. So in our last few minutes, now, how long were those girls with you? So um, their situation was a little messy as well as most, you know, families right. have issues. Um, but the one, so there were sisters. One of them stayed with us for only a month and went back with her mom. And then the other sibling stayed with us for two months. And then she went back with her mom as well. Okay. So the, hopefully that they are in a better place and getting better adjusted. What would your best... Um, 
I don't want to say advice, but I guess maybe what, you know, when you get that call, is there ever a time where you need to say no, you know, or, or what would, you know, I don't know, what would your best advice be for somebody new or somebody that's going to be at the training in a few weeks? Do you just tell them like, be, have an open heart when you get the call, you know, pray about it, think about it, evaluate it. Or are you the type of person that's more like me and just says yes every time and just goes with no, it? No, I am, <laughs> I am not. I, <laughs> I would love to be that person, but um, I am not. I am just, I, I'm very, I truly believe that I was meant to take Jonathan on that day and I felt it in my heart. And not everybody feels that way, but um, you know, I always say to people that are thinking about doing safe families, you are under no obligation. I mean, the fact that you even are considering it is enough. But, um, you know, we I get emails, even having, you know, um, Jonathan with us again now, I get emails all the time saying we need placements for this, 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 and this. And I do say no. And, you know, people can say yes or no. You don't, you're not under any obligation to take any child at any time. Um and then, and even if you're a safe family, there's specific needs. There was a boy, a teenager who was in a home, who was just placed in a home last week, and he really wanted a new pair of Nike shoes. It was important to him. His shoes were important to him. He just, you know, and, and, and he didn't say it, but like the host's mother just knew he wanted a new pair of shoes. And right. so we just put out an email to everybody and said, hey, if anybody has a heart to buy this kid a pair of shoes, and the response that I got was amazing. Oh, um, my so gosh. Even even things as little as buying a pair of shoes or taking a kid to visit a parent, you don't have to always just take a kid into your house. Gotcha. You know, in our last uh, few minutes here, I wanted to just throw out the website again for this training. Uh, Folks, it is October 15th. It's a Saturday. It's here in the Crystal Lake area at Willow Creek Crystal Lake Church, which is actually um, really easy to find. Please go to safefamilies.org and register for this training. Again, you'll just show up a little early and get a background checked. Uh, get your background check and you can stay for the training. And if it's something that's for you, you're ready to go. If it's something that uh, it's not the right season for you, that's okay too. Because again, you can be included on these lists to just be able to help support the host families or the placement parents. So I want people to have a really clear understanding about that. Uh, When we come back from break, I want to talk about Jonathan and how he um, is doing now and how long he's been with you. I think that's really a beautiful story about how he has um, transitioned back into your family. And I think it's just some great encouragement for maybe some parents that may be listening and struggling. Um, I think it's some great encouragement to know that you're helping heal a child and, and just, you know, do what's best for him and his parents. So you are listening to Raising the Bar with Rachel Jasky. She's our guest today. We're talking about Safe Families for Children, and we will be right back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. 
Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. back. I am super excited to continue this conversation. So Rachel, I know we were just talking about um, looking on the website and everything for people to get registered. So there is an application that that you need to fill out. So just go ahead and do that. Get registered. Get to this training. I'll be super excited to see who comes to the training that heard this program. I think that would be pretty cool. I'll also post more on the Raising the Bar page on Facebook. If you did not know about this page, please go to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo on Facebook and uh, click like and you can follow it. All the shows are there. Sometimes just random weird videos I make are on there. So I always like to keep you surprised and and guessing what will pop up next. But um, let's talk about Jonathan's return and and what's going on with that because I want to let people know that, you know, sometimes these safe family children can become a, a little bit more of a permanent fixture to our families and even sometimes lead to adoption. I know I was sharing that that story with you too on the break. So how's it going yeah. now? How'd that come back? Oh, to I'm you? good. Um, so we stayed, like I said, we'd stayed in contact with his family and um, well, what ended up happening is they weren't quite where they thought they needed to be when they had taken him back. So little backstory, Jonathan is one of 10 children. Oh, I his was mother ask. and father. Holy smokes. Okay. His mother and father have been married um, since they were 18, and uh, they just started having babies, and they had 10 of them. And wow. um, they're all great, great kids. I've met them all. Um, but, you know, they weren't ready to take him back, I think, when they did originally. And um, they got into a situation again that led them to be homeless. And so in the beginning of this year, Dad called me and said, you know, we're going to, this is happening again. Um, would you consider taking Jonathan and, you know, we will sign over, you know, short-term guardianship of him while we figure out what our next move is going to be. So, and then we said, of course, you know, my husband and I talked about it and, you know, we loved him so much. And so, you know, we said, yes, of course. And so we went and picked him up again uh, in April and he has been with us ever since. 
And, you know, it's definitely a faith thing, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. You know, people hear my situation and they go, oh, so you're adopting him. No, you know, it's, we're, no, we don't know. Um, we're not adopting him. Um, but it's, we're just walking our faith and just trying to figure out where it's going to go. Um, so we do speak to his parents. You know, they call and check up on him. Um, they are trying to find housing. Uh, it's not set yet. Um, you know, there's going to be some things that have to come into place before they can, you know, take their kids back. So in the course of him being with us, this organization, ECFA, Evangelical Children and Family Assistance, has gotten involved with his parents. And they are working with his parents. They're doing counseling. They're doing um, therapy. They're, they're trying to get them back on their feet to, to be where they need to be, to take right. their kids back. Wow. Yeah. So one of ten, is he the youngest? He is not. No, oh, the oldest okay. is um, fourteen, and the oh youngest gosh. is a five-month-old little girl. Uh, so they've had another baby now. since he's been placed with you. Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh. And and mm-hmm. I'm not saying oh gosh in any kind of negative way. My heart hurts. Um, yeah. Because I don't know what they need for their other kids. And I can imagine that many people listening will feel the same way because I kept wondering while we were talking about him even earlier if if he had any siblings. And I know Joyce had shared that in many situations, host families are not able to take sibling groups. And and I understand that, but they do uh, as best they can to place the kids in close proximity so all the families can come together. You know, I, I remember talking to my own kids after speaking with Joyce and they were like, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine being without my brother or my sister, you know, Um, the four of them all kind of were wide eyed when I was telling them, but they also understood, you know, that it's hard. It's hard to to do that because as a host family, you're, everything is on you. Now as a, as a legal guardian, are you able, I don't know why this is important to me right now, but are you able to insure him under your health insurance? I was No, because I'm not actually his legal guardian. I'm, if you had, if I had long-term guardianship of him, Okay. Um, yes, I could. But with our type of guardianship that we're doing, he still has his insurance through the state. Um, so okay. they are insured. All you know, kids are all entitled to insurance now. So right. um, he does have Medicaid uh, through the state, and then. Um, and, but I, I have you know, if anything happens, I have the right to make any medical decision. Okay. I was so um, I, of course, would consult his parents, but I am the state families. And host families, you're not liable if anything happens medically. Um, and I do have the, you know, the right to decide what to do with schooling as well as with medical issues. Okay, okay. So God bless this family. I'm going to be thinking about them. And they're probably not very far. So I'm so thankful that they felt comfortable to reach out to you. And in a normal situation, though, obviously, did they also have to get the approval of safe families before they could just reunite yeah. you guys? Okay. Yeah, right. they okay. have to. They would have to go through safe families and, um, you know, request to be in the program again. I do believe that some of their children are now in safe families. They actually were lucky enough to have most of their kids go with family. Um, okay, but with ten children, you you know, it's pretty hard to get somebody to take um, all, all, all your kids. So I think that the three youngest are in safe families right now. Um, including the baby the gun by saying yes of course you know right right 
Um, I'm thankful for that. And now I, I just, you know, and I keep thinking about the other 24 kids. Um, I don't know if that number has changed in the last few weeks that are in the area that need help. And for me, I feel like October 15th can't come fast enough. Although I probably should discuss it with my husband because I fully, I told him that I'm going to the training to learn. <laughs> he said, he looks, he oh, looks at me. Oh, you pulled a Rachel. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, he looks at me. He's like, yeah, right. I'm like, okay, so Let's who knows what's going to be happening. It. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, when you did you say? It. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Nope. I just said before you know it. Yep. It's like you just go there to learn about it. And then, the, you know, the stories and the um, the children, they just, you know, they pull at your heart. And, and I truly think that even if you can't be a host family, you will find something in, say, families that you could do for other families. Right. You know, and I, and I've shared this before and I'm sure a lot of my listeners have heard this before. You know, my mom was a really young mom. My dad, they were both super young when I was born. And, you know, there was a time in my mom's life where some of our family was like, Hey, you look like you need some help getting on your feet. And she had to worry about me being in childcare and everything. And I know my mom's two cousins, um, did a joint guardianship with my mom and I, and I lived with them, uh, it was under a year. I was three, so I don't know the exact time frame. In my mind, it felt like a very long time. I still remember to this day the night that they picked me up, even though I was going to see my cousins. It's just, it's different, and you always remember. And um, that was a really good decision that my mom made. Yeah. I didn't understand yeah. it as a kid. You know, we talked about it growing up and everything. She told me that at one point as a child, I was crying, and I told her she gave me away. And um, I'm sure that was really hard for her to hear. I can imagine as a mom, I wouldn't want to hear that. But it's it's done a lot for my understanding and probably created such a great spirit of empathy in me for uh, these children and, and the parents. My mom's an right. awesome mom. I love her to pieces. And she did she made the best decision ever because if something was to happen to her, I would automatically always be safe. So thankfully... They had that conversation back then because there was not safe families around. I'm old. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm 42 years old. So this is in the 70s, you know. But, um, you know, I just, I want parents that are listening that are maybe feeling troubled to just be so encouraged by this organization because you are not a failure to reach out and ask for help. So I really praise Jonathan's parents for asking for help. I mean, I think when people get in this cycle and this mindset of feeling like uh, they want to catch up and they want to make enough money, but they have some kind of distorted belief in their subconscious, you know, that it's not going to happen. That's how we continue in the cycle. So I really am going to just keep them um, in my, in my heart and in my prayers that somehow that cycle of disbelief or unbelief, however you say that correctly, Mm -hmm. uh, is broken in them. Yeah. You know, I do think How that could, it, I think, sorry, I think no, that it ahead. does take a lot for the parents to admit that they need help. And I think it is a pretty selfless thing for them to say, I can't take care of my child right now and I need to help so that, you know, we, we don't put them in danger. Right, right. And for those of you that are following us on Facebook on the Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo page, you can see a beautiful family picture of Rachel and her husband and the girls and Jonathan. And I love that you did that. I I think it's amazing. And because we don't have a timetable, right, for the length of time he's going to be with you. We don't. No. I mean, they're thinking maybe um, the end of this year, the beginning of next year, hopefully they'll have housing set up and everything they need to 
have their kids, you know, all return home. But yeah, it's, it's all still up in the air right now. Is this family close enough in proximity that um, even people from our area or our church can kind of help come alongside them and befriend them and encourage them? Unfortunately, um, because of homelessness, you know, they're not in one specific place. Um, okay. My dad's a truck driver, so on the road a lot. Um, and um, I, I think that they do have resources, you know, available to them through mm-hmm. Safe Families and through this other organization uh, to, to, to help them, um, for sure. That's great. We just have a few minutes to close. And again, I thank you for just being authentic and transparent and sharing your story, you know, the ups and downs. What would your, um, what would be your best, you know, kind of comment or advice to give people who want to support host families? Um, People who want to support host families? Right. Like I see you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I thought you'd go ahead. Um. I mean, you don't have to go through the training, the whole day-long training, to support a host family. Um, We, of course, that would be awesome because we would love to have as many family friends as possible. And a family friend is just somebody that doesn't take children into their home, but somebody that, you know, like I was mentioning earlier about the, the boy who wanted Nike shoes, you know, maybe doing something like that or just bringing a meal to a family that's just taken in a new placement. Um, you know, you can be a family friend just by going to the training for the first half, which is about two hours, two and a half hours. And, um, then you would, you know, be in our network and we could email or call, or you could be on our safe families page about, you know, upcoming needs for anybody. Um, but I'm sure as well that, there are more host families than you think in your neighborhood and in your area. Our, our Safe Families is growing tremendously over the past couple of years. And um, even social media is a great way to reach out. You know, if, if you don't want to go through that training process, just, you know, putting something on your social media. If anybody needs anything, please let me know. Um, I just think that social media is awesome. <laughs> in that that, yeah, you know, that's a great idea. So there is a Safe Families for Children Facebook page, correct? So even if they, you just type in your search bar, safe families, stuff is bound to pop up in your area. So make sure you check it that it's your area because who knows, you could be offering help to people in Colorado and then you have to take a trip, which I guess that's not a really a bad thing either. But yeah. um, thanks again for sharing your story. I really just want to encourage all our listeners. I truly believe that whoever is supposed to be listening today is, or they're going to catch the show tonight or catch it on after it's archived tomorrow. Um, Again, please email any questions or comments, or even if you need help and you don't know where to turn, you can email amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. You can reach out to the Raising the Bar page on Facebook. You can even send messages through the host page at Voice America. But do check out safefamiliesforchildren.org. Get registered, get information. But if nothing else, please just keep praying for this organization, all the families involved, all of the children involved. And um, I just want to encourage you to do that. You know, Rachel, in just the last few seconds here, I just want to thank you and your husband Mm -hmm. for making your life uncomfortable. I feel (laughs) like in in our greatest moments of discomfort are when... 
our greatest growth happens. And I just want to um, lift you up in that. Know that you're appreciated, you're encouraged. And if there's anything I can personally do to run over and set you free from chaos for a little bit, I'm happy to do it. I'm looking so forward to meeting you in person. And I just, again, I thank you so much for your time. Uh, Anybody listening also, yeah, please feel free to follow us again on Facebook at Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. Rachel, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you have a great day and we'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in to Raising the Bar. Please listen for another edition with your host, Amy Bredo, next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, get out there and keep raising the bar.